Welcome to I'm In, the Institute of Hospitality's official podcast sponsored by Caterer.com and hosted by me, Phil Street, MIH. Today we're talking about the under-discussed subject of disciplinaries and joining me to put this topic through its paces, we have the wonderful Libby Davies, AIH, culture icon Eugenio Perry, MIH, and all the way from New Zealand, Tony Bryan, FIH. A huge thank you to all our guests for giving up their time, so to discipline or not to discipline, that is the question. Hello and welcome to the next episode of I'm In, the Institute of Hospitality's official podcast hosted by me, Phil Street, MIH. Today, I'm once again joined by three wonderful humans from within the IOH membership who are all very kindly giving up their time for today's chat. So, first up, from the fellowship and all the way from New Zealand today, we have Dr. Tony Bryan. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Greetings from New Zealand. How's how's life out there at the moment? We've we've been watching with envious eyes at times through this last eighteen months. Well, we've we uh, uh, as people will know, New Zealand is split into two islands, main islands, and Auckland, our major city in the north, is currently in lockdown, which means the whole of the country really was in a is in a lockdown. So we're not very happy at the minute. We we're absolutely right. free until about. Uh, Five weeks ago, and we hope to get out of that. Okay, on so we're Tuesday. not we're not uh, watching with envious eyes anymore. Then no, you're not. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, and um, what is it that you that you do out there, Tony? Well, I work at uh, Lincoln University, which is just outside Christchurch in the South Island of New Zealand, and I am an associate professor in the Faculty of Commerce. And my responsibilities are to look after the hotel and tourism programming within the university. But my background is from the international hotel sector, so I'm, I still lo- live out my hotel life. <laughs> Fantastic. Good man. And then next up from the MIH ranks, we have the people and culture legend and icon that is Eugenio Perry. Oh, Welcome. that is just a really lovely uh, introduction. Thank you. <laughs> I'm just um, I'm set, me a little there. setting the tone and putting you under pressure straight away. <laughs> there you go. I, I like a little pressure, so that's okay. So not, not over the top. That was no. pretty accurate, I think, in the end, wasn't it? Thank you. <laughs> uh, where are you today? Where are you, are you in, on the call from? I'm actually working from home today. So I'm actually in my dining room. And uh, yeah, really happy to be here and uh, looking forward to the chat today. Excellent. And for the one or two people around the world who might not know what you do, um, what is it that you do? Sure. Um, well, I'm the Chief People and Culture Officer, as well as the Global Diversity Champion for Dorchester Collection. So we're based here in London, but we have hotels in the United States, France, and in Italy as well, of course, as the United Kingdom. Fantastic. Yeah. So you had a, a great sweeping view of the last <laughs> 18 months, lots of different ways of dealing with the same problem exactly it's been quite quite a journey it was quite quite interesting at the beginning because it all sort of started in italy and then it rolled over to france then it rolled over to the united kingdom then it rolled over to america so it was great because by the time we got to the u.s we we really felt we knew what we were doing but it took quite a while <laughs> Uh, could you could you pass some of that knowledge on to the government at, uh, at yeah, some point oh, down the well, line? Please, uh, just to control them for thirty days would really give me pleasure. <laughs> Brilliant. Well, you're um, you're very welcome anyway, and thank you for for taking the time to to be with us today. And um, 
last but certainly by no means least from our associate members, we have the wonderful Libby Davies. Hello, Phil. How are you doing? I'm very well, thank you. I'm excited to be here. Bless you. And yeah, you and I actually met for the first time just last week. Um, Yeah, but I feel like uh, you're one of these people that uh, you've definitely put yourself out there, and I mean that in the good way. In the, through the COVID period, you, I think you're you're doing all all the right things and making all the right noises. Oh, thank you. Yeah, it was nice to meet you in three D for once. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and where are you today? Where are you recording from? I'm at home today um, in Warwickshire. Great stuff. Excellent. Okay. Well, before we get into today's topic, I just wanted to uh, just uh, first of all kind of learn why you guys said I'm into the Institute of Hospitality in the first place. So if I come back to you, Tony, how long have you been a member now? Oh, I, I, a long time, a long time. And why I'm in... <laughs> we'll leave it there, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I can say last century I joined, so how about that? So that, make, that makes it Very sound good. old. It's, it's about being networked with a group of like-minded professionals in the industry needs that professional status. I've been a long-time supporter of the Institute. It it provides avenues for people to have status around what they do, and the industry sometimes doesn't get that status. So the Institute provides a great platform for that. And out here in, in, in my part of the world, I am the, well, I'm the Oceana ambassador for the Institute. So I spend a lot of my time uh, getting out, talking to the industry, shouting and celebrating that they're professionals and they uh, have an institute that can help them grow and and be positive about that. Wow. Yeah, what well, the Oceania uh, region is it's quite a wide region, mm. but I suppose lots and lots of s- small places dotted around all over the place. Yeah, and I have to say the the institute and its predecessor, the HCIMA and so on, is not as well known internationally as I would like it to be. It's certainly well known in the UK, and it can be very UK centric sometimes. But we do see people being now interested, and COVID has done a lot of good for this. People needed to have some credentials and some means of saying that they were professionals. So when I look after the Australia, the Pacific, New Zealand area, it's still very low membership, uh, but growing. And that's because we have, to, uh, we have to promote that we are professionals doing a very professional job, running major organisations and looking after lots of people like uh, th- that we do. And it's a great, o- great opportunity to link up with like-minded people. Yeah, here, here. I, I couldn't have put that better. And I think, rest assured that under the, the guidance of the new chief executive who has got energy and then some, um, I know that uh, that raising the, the profile of, of the Institute internationally is high on his list to, to achieve. So watch the space. Mm, good. Yeah, well, thank you for, for that, Tony. And moving to you, Jenny O, why did you say I'm in to the Institute? Yeah, well, I'm actually a relatively new member. I actually only joined this year, and I have no idea why I only joined this year. It makes no sense, considering I've been in hospitality for more than 30 years. I mean, I I love this industry. I can't even begin to tell you how much I love hospitality. 
it's given me um, such joy in my life and um, such career opportunities. You know, I joined, you know, when I was 18 as a room attendant and, you know, slowly worked my way, lived in multiple countries. And, you know, to me, to be able to be associated with, as, as Tony rightly put it, like-minded individuals that really care about our industry and really want to promote it just gets me up in the morning. It gets me excited. And that's why, you know, I'm a big fan of Robert. I love the direction that it's going in. And um, yeah, really happy to be part of it. And, and long may it, you know, go on forever. Um, that's for sure. Fantastic. Good, good man. Yeah. And, uh, and Libby, you're, um, you're also a, a, a fairly new member. Why did you say I'm in? Um, well, when I was on furlough, I felt a bit detached from the industry, to be honest, because I wasn't out and about in events. I wasn't doing anything in the hotels. So I thought I'm going to progress my career in a different way and, and network with people, learn from amazing people in the industry and just sort of develop my career in a different way through mentorship and things like that. So I joined the industry to sort of network and learn from more. Yeah. And I, actually, you've caught hit the one of the reasons why I I said I'm in uh, a couple of years ago was that networking I you know I, the that to me even through COVID with all the the webinars and everything that that happened was still possible and then as Tony says the you know the networking with like-minded people it's when you bring the joy to each other that the really good things start to happen and that can only happen through coming together so that's um that's one of the many reasons why I'm in but um Anyway, wonderful. Well, as Graham Norton would say, you're all very welcome. And um, I uh, will get on to the, the topic at hand today. And that is something that I think is not given nearly enough airtime. Uh, and that is the subject of disciplinaries. Uh, and today's headline is to discipline or not to discipline. That is the question. So very quick fire. Yes or no. Uh, and I'll come to you, Jenny, as the people guy. Are disciplinaries necessary? Well, that's a really loaded question. Um, <laughs> but um, I think definitely days and times have changed. I think COVID has, has changed the way we think about work and we think about life and we think about our roles, our jobs, our purpose. Um, I think that um, there are certain you know, things in the workplace that are important to ensure are maintained. And if they're not, I'm not sure disciplining is the way to go. I think it's much more about coaching and counseling. It's much more, more about the conversations that are happening. Um, so it is a bit of a loaded question, but I would err on not as not like it was once before. Yeah, and that's uh, I suppose Tony. I know you and I have spoken briefly over over email on this subject, and I know that you have uh, have some views. What's your 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 take on this? Well, I, I certainly support what's being said. And my view is that if you've got to go into disciplinaries, then there's a problem before that. And that goes right back to potential recruitment and, uh, and the engagement. I, I, I accept that you do need them as a last resort, but I like the idea of those conversations happening. So disciplinaries to me are the first question I'd ask if there was a problem is what, what did I do wrong? And what did I do wrong? Not what they've done wrong. What did I do wrong? Because something's happened that I didn't notice. I didn't pick up earlier on. And if I, I've got to address that question first before I go go a bit further. So that, that's it's my take on it. But I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to the conversation further on. Yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely. And Libby, as somebody who's who's not long in the industry, as it were, what's what's your view on this? I think my view has changed quite quickly in that I've only recently taken on that managerial role. And it's a big switch then from being that employee to then actually being responsible for giving out disciplinaries. And I think I really have started to experience that sense of guilt, really, when something does go wrong. You feel like it was your responsibility to prevent that from happening in the first place. And I think recently, in answer to that question, it is quite dependent on whether the support was there in the first place, whether there's anything we could have done to prevent it, and whether there's more support that we could give to prevent the disciplinary from actually taking place. Yeah. So, well, controversially, I'm going to I'm going to suggest that they definitely do still have their place. And the reason that this is just coming from personal experience, and this is going back some uh, in, in my career, I remember when I was uh, all but a lad at the age of, I think I would have been 21 at the time, and I hadn't been given any um, food hygiene training at the time. And I, um, I walked through the officer's mess on a cruise ship and picked out a potato smiley with my fingers and not realizing that I'd done anything wrong and actually then got pulled into a, a meeting to discuss that and uh, and basically said look I, I wasn't aware that I'd done anything wrong and um, and this it was almost the threat of a, a disciplinary in my head sparked something that said right you've got to be sharper even though you might not know what you've done wrong just you've got to kind of be looking to be squeaky clean and that's kind of how I moved forward on on the back of that so actually having the threat of it there to me played its part in in molding me going forward anyone have any any personal experiences I, I can't say I've had a personal experience there Phil but I, I I did say that I think they're the last resort that you you, you can't not have them I think they need to sit there mm. and, and you're doing a hell of a lot of work to avoid getting to the the crunch of it all, but I do think they need to be there and, and potentially that pulling someone up and saying, listen, did you know if you carry on like this or don't change your particular uh, way of dealing with things, we could end up in a disciplinary. So it, I, I agree with you that they need to be there. They've got a purpose, but I like to think that we've got a lot, uh, there's a lot of front-end stuff we should be doing along the way. Yeah. I mean, I, th- I think if I can add in, I mean, you're, you're always going to have situations where, you know, something has happened and, and it is important that there is guidelines and, and, and I hate the term, but rules in place um, because, you know, whether it's health and safety reasons, whether it's care for the employees and the guests and things like that. And there are certain procedures that definitely need to follow. And if an employee doesn't follow them um, and, you know, the, the 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 most important thing for me with disciplinaries is it's the conversation that's happening as a result of those disciplinaries. So, you know, it's always important to ask, you know, why? Why did it, why did you know, as was rightly said by Tony, you know, what was the situation that, you know, caused this to happen, et cetera, et cetera. So it's always about the discussion, which then is so much better when you think about performance management anyway, because then it is a type of coaching and counseling. But, you know, if an employee, you know, shows up intoxicated at work and things along those lines, you're going to have to address it. And unfortunately, that airs on the side more of, of disciplinary than maybe coaching counseling, although you still kind of want to understand why they did it when they know they shouldn't have. So it's it's never so black and white. Yeah, no, no, absolutely. There's always going to be circumstances where where yeah. you've got to, to use it as your as your method to to 
help somebody move forward, I, I suppose. Exactly. And whether that's moving forward in your organization or out of your organization, um, then, then it still has its, has its place. Mm-hmm. I, I can, if I can share that one that I had, um, uh, I sat in as a support person in a, for, a, for a senior HR director uh, in a major hotel chain who was going through disciplinary, supposedly, and I was absolutely horrified at how that played out. The, the, it was a total, they were guilty from the moment they, we walked into the room. It was the most humiliating, embarrassing situation that I've seen people get into. I was stunned how they, they, the, that senior people could not understand the humility that's needed in times like this. Uh, yeah, I, so it's my closest I've, I've been. But it was absolutely guilt-ridden. It was about you've done something wrong and it's all about you doing something wrong. And I sometimes think, mm, okay, they've done something wrong, but did I not tell them? Did they not uh, get that instruction? I think you've got to have those conversations before you start the down the hard line, which is what Genio uh, said. You know, it's, you've got to understand that why. Why did this happen? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Libya, I think you were going to add something. Yeah, absolutely. I couldn't agree more, Tony. I think the communication is so key sometimes. And quite recently, I wasn't disciplined, but I was pulled into a meeting for not disciplining someone else. And that sort of turn of events when I I didn't recognise that, for example, the um, front of house team where I work um, were wearing jewellery, which was not allowed. And that was completely my mistake for allowing it. So then rather than them being disciplined, it fell to me, which I think was quite the responsible way to do it. But then it falls back on, I was also not told that jewellery was not allowed. So then it's that constant effect of making sure everyone's communicated and everyone understands, as, as we hate the word, rules. And then I think it's having that unity as a team to respect what, what's happening. And I think that would prevent disciplinaries because I think everyone would be aware and understanding of those different changes and rules. I was just going to say, I think Libby said something so powerful in that... I can't tell you how many times, you know, that, you know, people are going into disciplinaries or performance management and the leader themselves actually will say, I didn't even realize that was an issue or a problem. <laughs> so then you really have to ask yourself as an organization, how well are you doing in explaining what your culture is, what's important to you, what are your policies, procedures, whatever you want to call them, because, you know, we're doing more of a disservice and damage to our own leaders and in asking them to try to create the environment we want to create them when they don't even know it themselves. So very, very uh, real issue. Um, There's that constant loop, isn't there, of communication, whether it's a front of house member or a senior manager or the CEO of the company, everyone should be involved in that to make sure that everything's communicated. And I think that would always prevent any confusion which normally is what leads to disciplinaries if they are innocent mistakes mm-hmm. yeah absolutely mm-hmm. and i was going to say we when we get the we're an industry that heaven forbid it, it, it's 10 o'clock and we need you to start at four o'clock <laughs> syndrome some days <laughs> and we don't have time <laughs> we don't have to, well sometimes if you've got a pulse and you're upright and you can talk you're employed but we don't take that time in the induction to actually go through things because we're, you know, our churn is quite high, and we 
we don't necessarily give the great inductions we should. So people understand what they're getting into and what's right and what, what the, as someone said, the rules are. Because we're busy, and but it doesn't help when we don't have that quality time to induct people into the culture of the organisation and so on. And, and but that's a, I think that's systematic of our sector in some ways. Yeah, I I, I think that's a, that's a really good point. You know, and a lot can be addressed at that point in time. I mean, ultimately, it's always going to come back to the the individual's ability to lead themselves just in terms of if you know if you've been if it's been mapped out to you what's right and wrong then that's fine but then there's always going to be circumstances where where somebody perhaps thinks thinks upon themselves that taking a shortcut is going to be the the better solution because maybe they're time poor maybe they're just under pressure and many different areas and then it's just all it then comes down to that person's ability to lead themselves and then if they can't lead themselves then it's I suppose up to the their leaders to be able to say to them and say okay something's not working here uh, how can I help you what's what's going on that that sort of and I suppose that comes back to the original point that we're that we were all making I think that's so powerful as well when you have a leader that can sit with you and understand and listen than just result straight to that disciplinary or even to to shout. I think that's so powerful when people can be led that way. Absolutely. I mean, ultimately, no, none of us are perfect, are we? <laughs> and we're, we're all going to make mistakes. Um, it's just about who you've got around you at the time you make them that uh, that helps how you move on. God, this is going deep. Yeah, I think we always learn from mistakes as well, don't we? I think we're down that alley, as we said. Yeah, Yeah. it's very. It is dark where I am, guys. It is. It is is ten past ten at night. Uh, But the, I think, I think it's the also with this, our industry. We promote people very quickly. Again, symptomatic of churn, and sometimes people don't have the time to get the experience they need to understand and grow and develop before they find themselves in a managerial role. And that's not those people's fault. That's They've stepped up. But sometimes it's we're asking them to do things that we didn't even tell them what they needed to do, which is, I think, tracks back to what Libby may have mentioned. Yeah. I think that goes really, you know, hand in hand in that. I think sometimes when we look to promote people, we think, okay, they've done a great job when we promote them and we should take risk in, in, in people. And, and I really believe that. Um, however, I think it's, it's systematic of how we look at our training programs and our development programs, because it's very much this idea that we'll send them through a training program now. And they've done their program, check, and that's it, without realizing actually that new leaders, you know, really no matter what age they are, actually need a very consistent drip fed approach to you know having a mentor having a coach having you know weekly sessions reviewing what they're doing for a a sustained period of time so that they can you know deal with these issues as they come along because inevitably especially with the world we're in right now where it's a little bit of all hands on deck and we don't have enough people and you know, COVID's turned everything upside down, the ability to be able to sit down on a regular basis with people who can actually help guide them is really what's going to make the difference, especially in performance management and coaching and counseling, because for a young leader or any leader who's new to a role, it's so much easier to just go to discipline when something goes wrong 
versus actually taking the time to find out what's happened behind uh, what's what's happened. Yeah, absolutely. And I think you might have just rebranded disciplinaries there to go. performance management, coaching and counseling. <laughs> well, it should have always been that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, dear. You're using your uh, your icon status for good good effect. Thanks. I think a couple of good words came up there. Uh, the thing like uh, mentor uh, was mentioned earlier on mm. and coaching and so on. And that I'm really pleased to see the Institute of Hospitality really getting behind the mentor scheme. And it is mm. something I'm trying to push out here in New Zealand that it's we all need mentors. I've got a mentor and, it, and, and I'm not young in terms of, of, of time. I have someone I can go and bounce an idea off. And that's just so valuable. If you see a situation and you think, oh, God, do I go down disciplinary on this? Just pick up the phone and have a chat. Say, listen, what do you think? And, and it's, it's okay to be not sure. It's better to know that you don't know and you find out than a, a result to, uh, I don't know, so I better just discipline. And I think that the mentor system, and, and if Libby, if you're new into the sector, I would really encourage, if you haven't already got one, uh, encourage you to find a mentor. And uh, and I think we can all play roles of that for, for mentors for people, which would help us in terms of disciplinaries. And I think she's got the I, best I, mentor of them all. I, th- I think I have, not to be biased. <laughs> <laughs> Mine's uh, Robert Richardson. Oh. Yeah, hospitality. What? Like, that guy? Are you sure? Just <laughs> yeah, Robert made some calls so Libby could be here today. Um, <laughs> no, no, he, no, he didn't. I love it. But actually, that's a it's a really good point. Uh, I think a lot of the times as well, they're they're especially when you're you're put into positions where you're perhaps not ready for, you've not had the experience yet, and even just th- simple things like life experience to be able to react properly, there's always going to be an emotional response to if somebody that is working for you has not done what is, I suppose, the the right way to do something. And I remember a, a situation whereby the first time I was given a team, this is going back to cruise ships again, I'm sorry to keep bringing that up, but I, uh, I had a team of uh, of three guys who were whose responsibility was to put the all of the, the deck chairs out and the loungers out around the pool. And I went up and I was doing my rounds once and I caught them playing football in the passenger football deck area. And I I, I, I didn't say anything to them because I, I kind of went livid inside. Went down to my boss to say, look, this has happened. I really, I, I kind of want to throw the book at them because, you know, it's sort of prime time. They should be doing this X, Y, Z, blah, la la. And he said to me, well, that's fine. Ultimately, you can do what you feel is right. But how about this? And he said to me, and I thought this was absolutely genius, why don't you bring them in to for a meeting with me, which you'll be present in under the pretense that it's a disciplinary. But what we'll say is, is that I wanted to discipline them, but you, Phil, fought their corner so hard that I backed down and decided <laughs> not to do it. That way, they will then think, oh my God, Phil's got our back. We we did something wrong, and you know we're going to repay his faith by making sure that we you know do our our damnedest going forward. And I just thought I'd had never ever thought of that. I, once again, I was a very young man at this this point in time, but without that, I I might have made a very different uh, taken. I certainly would have taken a very different approach to it, and uh, and could have sent these guys on a completely different path. 
So that mentoring thing and having people around you that you can turn to when your emotional state is not fit to deal with it properly, um, I think is uh, is absolutely gold. That's called using a, a, a disciplinary as a weapon. <laughs> and, and I think that the, there's a question that, that you've, you've sent across for us to think about because there's an impact on the person who has to do the disciplinary. There's a personal impact on them. And we forget about that. We always think, oh, the, the person who's being disciplined is going to be upset. The person who's doing the discipline can be absolutely gutted inside, to, so worried about what's going to happen. Yeah. And it really is important to be able to, to separate the personal from the professional. And you, you, you've got to build that relationship where at the end of this conversation, we're going out here and we're still members of the team together. This is a professional conversation we're having here. And when we finish our shift and when we go off, it's we don't talk about it and it's clear, but there is a real impact when you have to do a disciplinary. It's it's not come. I I do not. Well, I get so wound up inside. If I had to go through that, I I wouldn't be good at it. <laughs> so avoid them. But but you're you're absolutely right because you know that that just you know reiterates the importance of making sure that you've done a great you know investigation. You've asked all the right questions. You've, you know, you've, you've tried to take the emotion out of it. However, there is times where the emotion of how the action has made the team felt or what it's done to the team, it's really, really important. Um, but if you can deal in those types of facts, then uh, you're absolutely right. There's an effect on both sides of the equation. Uh, and it can be very difficult, especially when people aren't really used to doing it or in times of crunch periods where you have to discipline somebody and you're worried about the business, it makes people make decisions they shouldn't make. So that importance, again, of coaching and counseling, not only during the, the performance management, but also the support they're going to get. It all has to come together. Otherwise, um, it can be very damaging, 100%, on many levels. Yeah. And Libby, you're a new manager, and it, it's always terrifying, I found, when you were managing up to someone older and sometimes that happens and you're the younger person and you, if you've been brought up in a respect to respect your elders that becomes really challenging mm-hmm. yeah it can be at times i think i always start by learning about my team and getting their respect so i think once you've got that balance of their respect against your professional position then that's when it doesn't get too tricky. It still always gets tricky. And yeah. Messy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Actually, I, I love I love that you said that, Libby, because um, it you, you know you've 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 said it perfectly in that it is really important to get to know your team and, and oh, earn yeah. the respect. Um, but yeah, it will still get tricky. That's <laughs> me. <laughs> yeah. And ultimately, we're we're dealing with uh, with human beings at the end of the day, yeah. and and you know, and you can. You can never fully know what's going on in their world, yeah. Um, and that all plays its its part on on how they perform, and so on and so forth. And I think it is uh, there's a saying out there, isn't it, about you'll know, be kind to people because you never know what battles they're facing, or something like that. Yeah. Uh, in any case, and I think a little bit of kindness and respect in any situation, whether you know somebody's done a gross misconduct or just a, a minor uh, demeanor, uh, demeanor. Is that the word? That's not the word. Mister Misdemeanor. Misdemeanor. That's it. Very good. Thank you very much. I'm going to have some more coffee in a minute. Um, you know, it, it, to to maintain that poise and, uh, you know, I've I've been through disciplinaries before, whereby it is it's a very level headed place to be. 
It's just mm-hmm. about talking about the, as you said right back at the beginning, Genio, about the facts and details of what's happened, and and just dealing with it as a you know in a calm and respectful manner, and giving people the the chance to 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 explain their situation. Maybe they hadn't had the training, maybe they didn't know what they were doing, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, without kind of just as you said, Tony, in that circumstance that you had about whereby just the person walked in the door and they were guilty. That's it. Game over. Mm. You know, it's just about having that 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 respect. Uh, and actually, genuinely, as somebody who's had his head in this particular uh, side of business for, for quite a long time, is there actually, is there training offered to managers and leaders who are new to it, who then have to, you know, is there disciplinary training? Or is it just something you learn as when it happens? No, definitely there is. I mean, I mean, disciplinary training is broken into many different ways. You know, the first aspect for me of disciplinary training is just getting, like, as I said earlier, to understand what is important to the business. So, you know, what are your values of your business? What uh, policies or procedures or, you know, bringing your vision to life? You know, what is important to you and what actually could break that down and getting people to, first of all, new leaders to understand, you know, this is what we're doing because, you know, no good culture is going to be formed if you don't allow people to take risks and you don't allow people to actually make their own decisions. And sometimes those decisions will work and sometimes they won't. And just because they've made an error, it's not cause for disciplinaries or performance management. So it is important to understand that. So, you know, quantifying what that is. So, yes, you're going to review some of your policies, your procedures, but more importantly, you're going to say, okay, this is a vision. This is our values. This is how we bring it to life. What could derail that and getting people to understand that? Then there is definitely you know, training in how the procedure works, you know, how you invite people to a meeting, how you do an investigation. But, you know, in our company, we we try to partner as much as possible with the people and culture teams, um, because it is something difficult for somebody to go in alone. But before, you know, when something happens, before it even gets to a performance management stage, we really try to urge people to just have the conversations first, and then we'll yeah. see if it needs to go down that path. But definitely there is training, but it's not the traditional training you think of. You know, you don't go through mock disciplinaries. At least we don't anyway. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, the, um, I think that's a, it's a key point is that that comes back to all the way back at the beginning of the conversation around the fact that it's just be, be having the conversations with people. If somebody is moving offline a little bit, then talk to them first before they're way offline. Mm-hmm. Um, sort of thing, but you know, and but you are, as we've also discussed, you're also going to have the situations whereby you, your people are just they're they're not supposed to be there. They're not supposed to be in in that particular position in that particular moment. Yeah. Um, for whatever reason, and actually, the disciplinary element can help form how they move forward in their life. And you know, this is a kind of. This is probably something out of an 80s manual, but sometimes a kick up the backside is exactly what somebody needs to to help move forward. And sometimes it has to be done sooner rather than later. Uh, And and I I can give you an instance that uh, did happen in in a company that I know recently. Someone did not take disciplinary action when they needed to. It was a case of bullying and that company lost three other staff members because of it and it cost mm. that company hundreds of thousands of dollars. So that was an, a, the inaction of the manager by not dealing with the discipline of someone at the time 
caused a hell of a problem. Culture in the in the in the organization was very flat and it financially cost them. So you do when you see something that needs call it out quickly, deal with it as quickly as possible because it can get very very expensive otherwise. Yeah. Uh, that's, a, that's a damn good point. The, um, Very good point. <laughs> yeah. Um, and that's the thing, you know, we always talk about these things from the position of the the organization and is it necessary, but actually from the, the point of a, an employee in a circumstance like that, it's, it's absolutely necessary um, in order to eradicate the ripple effect that it then had without dealing with it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Just trying to think what else we could talk about. Um, I'll definitely edit that line out. But um, yeah, actually, Joe, one of the, the the reasons why I wanted to talk about this, and this comes comes back actually to your and I conversation on on my own podcast last year, Genio, around the fact it's a question I'd always wanted to ask you. Oh dear! As somebody who's at that that kind of the you know that you've done very well for yourself in your career, let's put it that way. Thank you. Um, but have you ever faced a disciplinary yourself? <laughs> and you very very kindly, you were very free with this information, and I've I've loved you for that all, from from then on. Was that you said you you have actually been sacked? Yeah, uh, I was just going to say that I've been I've been you know I have been fired. I was very young. Very stupid, and um, honestly, I kind of deserved it. So um, it was um, it was a wake up call, though I will say, because I think you know, I mean, again, you know, I was young, and I was I really felt almost like I could just do whatever I wanted because I was a good employee, and I was able to like satisfy the what the job needed and all that kind of stuff. And I realized that um, you know, just because you're good at your job, it doesn't give you the right to be a a jerk I don't know whatever you want to call it um and I I was I was uh, it was just a really valuable lesson for me to learn and and you just and this is one of the biggest mistake I think employers do you know to one of the points that Tony made where you have to react very quickly at times um that you have great employees but they're not team players and they're not adding it to the culture of your company or they're not adding you know they're not living your core values or helping you achieve your vision whatever the case may be you know, that also has to be managed, you know, just because they're great on the floor and things like that. So it was a really good, it was a, it was a lesson for me to learn. And and I'm glad I learned it very young at the age of 17, actually, is when that happened to me. Um, because it, it made me realize that there's so much more to being a great employee, and we all have a responsibility to it. So yeah, yeah, don't be a jerk. Very yeah. good lesson there. Yeah. So, well, that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i've got one i can i can share which i i if it was disciplinary i'm not sure but i got one hell of a telling off and it was when i was an apprentice chef in my early days last century and i was sent off to clean out the fridges that was fine so i cleaned out the fridges and then chef came storming through wanting to know where the consomme was and I I said, I don't know. I, I was new. I didn't know what I was doing. And he said, oh, it was in the pot in the corner. And I said, oh, I thought that was water. I just threw that out. <laughs> and so, <laughs> Love it. Well, it. I mean, a good consomme is very clear. <laughs> I remember getting stripped down by chef. Oh, my God. I just thought I thought that was it. I was going to be fired. But no one had told me what the hell consomme looked like. And so I thought I was doing a good job, but mm, no, I wasn't. 
<laughs> yeah. And I suppose the, the big point on that is, is that how can you discipline somebody who didn't know they were doing something wrong? Exactly. Well, he did it quite, he so did it quite well. Earlier, right? <laughs> he did it quite yeah. well. <laughs> but, but, you know what, Tony? I bet that pot was really clean and that fridge was really organized. So, you know. <laughs> and, the, and the fishes ate some, some nice consomme that night. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Mm, yeah. Libby, have have you had any experiences when you've been on the receiving end of a, a disciplinary? <laughs> I'm just laughing to these two examples. I think that's so funny. Definitely think I would have done. Um, I think I was just thinking back. I have never been disciplined, but there's a few times where I've seen close friends and colleagues be disciplined. And that too is a bit of a kick up the backside when you're probably doing similar things to them or, you know, you're working with them and you think it's all fine. And when they get disciplined, that is also a bit of a kick up the bum to actually improve yourself and to know what it's like to be in their shoes a little bit. Um, I think that relates to earlier as well when we were talking about how it doesn't always have to be yourself. You know, it, it's the impact that it has as a big 360. And I think we always learn from other people's mistakes as well as our own. Yeah. Um I haven't Absolutely. got any massive examples of throwing out things. <laughs> um, yeah, at the um, at the the only example that I have from my own life is you know, this will surprise you. It was on a cruise ship, and um, I did a lot of my learning uh, on cruise ships. I actually this was a, a circumstance whereby I, I was managing a, a lot of money uh, in the crew office. I think it was uh, it was close to a hundred thousand pounds, and you had to balance the float every day. And we'd just done uh, crew payday. And back then, they used to pay the crew in cash. That's how long we're going back. And um, I uh, I couldn't balance the float to the tune of about £2,000. And that was an, an immediate um, gross misco- misconduct. Um, and I just I didn't know what had happened, couldn't figure it out. Had people come in and double-check my work. They couldn't see it anywhere either, so we just had to accept that £2,000 had gone for a walk. Mm. Um, I got called in, and I, I was, and this is not blowing smoke up my own backside, but I was an exemplary employee, and actually that that played a massive part into the way that I think that this was dealt with. The guy who dished out the disciplinary because he had to said, "I don't want to do this, but I, I have to do it because that is the rules," as as we were discussing earlier. Um, but rest assured, if this gets found somewhere, then I'll take great pleasure in in inviting you back into the office, and I'll rip this up in front of your face. And sure enough, six months later, the, it got found in paperwork. Somehow, I, I was very, very happy when it did. Um, and I got uh, called back into that same gentleman's office and he ripped my disciplinary up in front of my face. And that um, it always reminded me of that that moment when by you, you know, you've, you've done what you can. There is nothing else that you could have done to have you know, affected the performance of that moment. But when leaders are then true to their word and what they say as well, it has such a a monumentally uplifting feeling to you that you are in the right place, that you're being respected and that, uh, that people have got your back in the, in the moments when, when you don't, you don't know what's gone wrong. Absolutely. I think that sort of support is what everyone needs when they make mistakes. And in fact, I've, I've just thought of an example of when I was quite young in my first administration role, um, and I wasn't disciplined for it, but following from what you just said, Phil, about how when you make those mistakes, you have to have that support, then you know, progress and get better. And I was in my first role in an administration office, and I had to like pick up the phone and make my first like cold call. 
and I was absolutely petrified. I had a whole script of what I was going to say. And in the moment, <laughs> all the words went blurry. I couldn't read them. I just had to wing it. And it was such a simple phone call. And I remember vividly finishing the phone call. It went really, really well. And I remember saying, thank you, love you, bye. <laughs> and I remember holding the phone on the like machine and I just held it and froze, staring at it like, oh my gosh, what have I just said? And then I went to my manager and I was like, you'll never guess what I've just done. And I told him, and part of me was like laughing on the inside and part of me was absolutely mortified. And he just laughed with me and he said, you know what? It happens to the best of us. Yeah. And I think little things like that, that sort of respect you get from your manager of, you know what, you've messed up, but you won't do it again because you're that scared to do that again. And I can promise you now, I've never said I love you to anyone else. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's plenty of time yet for that, Libby, don't worry. Yeah. <laughs> did you get the deal though, Libby? Did you get the deal? I actually did. I did. Oh, there you it, go. It was actually recruitment at the time. Um, and it was a candidate. It was my first candidate to call. Fantastic. Well, there you are. You've got a, a new tactic to use going forward as well. So. Nothing's worse than that. <laughs> Great stuff. Well, I'm going to wrap this up because uh, I'm, I'm conscious of time, especially for, for you, Tony, who's uh, it must be near your bedtime on a Friday night now. But um, I just wanted to say a, a massive thank you to you all for giving up your time to, to have this chat today. Um, I've de- definitely taken some real value from this. I think we've covered a lot of uh, a lot of good stuff. I think we can probably summarise that they they are unnecessary evil, but they should sit there as that absolute last resort. You need constant communication throughout. A very strong induction process can help. Good leadership, generally, uh, good human beings throughout your organisation, and and hopefully you'd never get to the point where it's necessary. But it it's there as a backup should you ever need it. Absolutely. Here, here. Good summary. Great stuff. All right. Well, thank you very much, guys. And I wish you a very pleasant day or night. Thank you. <laughs> thank you all. Thank Bye-bye. you very much. Bye, Take care. Bye bye. Bye bye. I'm in. I'm in. Today's episode of I'm In was brought to you by Caterer.com and covered disciplinaries with Lily Davies, AIH, Eugenio Perry, MIH, and Tony Bryan, FIH, hosted by Phil Street, MIH. Branding by Sonia Cresswell, AIH. Music by Leon Williams, MIH. To say I'm In and feature on a future episode, contact phil.street at instituteofhospitality.org. And to find out more about the Institute of Hospitality or to join our hospitality family, please click the links in the show notes. A huge thank you for listening and join us next time where we'll be discussing accolades. See you then.